As an OD business owner, there are times in your career when you have to make life-changing business decisions. In this podcast series, I'll talk to ODs and business owners who have insight into how things really work, which can help you rethink your assumptions before making those major decisions to avoid expensive mistakes while optimizing their outcomes. This is the Think Again podcast. I'm Scott Jens, your host, and today's episode is titled Rethink Staff Management. Our guest is Dr. Mike Simbor from Nittany Eye Associates in Pennsylvania. He's a respected practice leader and one of our industry's most dynamic speakers. Mike, welcome to the Think Again podcast. Scott, it's a real pleasure to uh, be sharing this time together. Thank you. I know you're a busy guy and you have a lot of uh, things to offer us, and so I look forward to it. The goal is to discuss the conventional thinking, and maybe even challenge it in the way that mm-hmm. our colleagues have done practice staffing. I know mm-hmm. you've overseen a lot of HR modifications in your time in practice, and I look forward to your insights. So I wanted to start mm-hmm. with this. I mean, when I was a practice owner, the thing I did pretty poorly was truly assess my team for weak links. Is this common for ODs who own eye care businesses? Yeah, it really is. You know, it's always the, uh, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the attention, but uh, how often do we just kind of, uh, hey, if I don't pay attention to it, it's going to go away. (laughs) And uh, because, you know, we're we're busy taking care of patients and we want to do the best for them. And sometimes we don't evaluate our staff properly. So I, I, I was also one of those people who felt like, the longest serving employee in the practice was the one that should elevate to a management job under the auspice that that person knew the most. I suppose that's all, that's something you challenge, right? Oh my goodness. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm really glad you brought that up because, you know, I've, I've been doing this, you know, for, for a long time. And so when I was a younger optometrist, that was really the conventional thinking. It's just the person that's been here the longest. That's, they just naturally ascend because you want to reward loyalty. And that's, you know, that's a, that's a, that's a really good thing. But, you know, as, as I started to, you know, some of, some of, uh, you know, some of my partners started to retire, I came to the realization that's, that, that that's really not not it and and we owe it to our patients to um you know to evaluate our our staff on on results and 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 their ability to lead and and kind of help help the practice move forward and so as a result you know we we started uh, promoting based on uh performance so do you look at the practice through sort of a a virtual blueprint of front office back office optical tech uh, when you start thinking about how to rate somebody as a, a staff mm-hmm. person, are they rated yeah. within an area of regard in the practice? Yeah, you know, practice of our size, you know, we're we're five offices, you know, probably sixty to sixty-five staff total, and so we do. Uh, may, we have to segment, or, or at least we do segment, maybe in a way that a really you know smaller practice doesn't. But we think about it, you know, from the view from thirty thousand feet is my business partner and I are kind of like the over, you know we we give oversight to to every part of the practice but then we have an office manager uh, that that is in charge of all five offices and then you know what one step you know what uh, uh, one one step across from there is are, are all all of the different departments including you know call center front desk opticians, uh, technicians, uh, contact lens department. So yeah, that's how we have it uh, broken up. 
So, yeah, I do think that applies to even the listener who's a one doctor, four staff person practice. And so yeah. have you gone so yeah. far as to develop expectation guides for an optician that are unique and mm. different than a optometric technician? And then those are clearly explained to people when they are part of your practice? Yeah, it's, uh, thank you for bringing that up. And and I think, you know, post-COVID, the big challenges that I hear every office, every optometrist talk about is, hey, pre-COVID, you know, we we were we might lose one person every year or two. But but since COVID, we're, you know, it's a revolving door. So and that's been the challenge, right? But the success story out of that is it really forced us to take a look at our onboarding pro process and standardize it. And so now, because of the uh, you know re uh, revolving door that is recently stabilized, so we're happy about that. But we got really good at onboarding, and uh, and and so we we do have all of those things in every department, and we have you know a one month plan, a three month plan, a six month plan, uh, and so so our uh, our leadership team does a really good job using those guidelines to make sure everyone is is ascending appropriately. Is there any expectation in your practice group for people in certain practice staff categories to get any sort of certification or further training? Yeah, there really is. So we we do uh, can continue to use the CPO, CPOA, CPOT system, uh, and so we, you know, anyone that's going to become, uh, you know, anyone that's going, we're going to promote in a position of leadership. We make it clear to them how important it is to to gain those certifications. How do you support them, or do you support them with the cost of those things and the time that it might take? occasionally away from the practice. Yeah, no, it's a good point. So we give we give them uh, time, you know, for independent study. We uh, cover the cost of those certifications. Uh, and we, you know, we make sure that everyone understands uh, clearly how much we support those things. And so we don't want someone to, you know, uh, work really hard for eight or nine hours a day and expect them to go home and spend another three or four hours on these certifications. So we do give them the independent time it takes, as well as we have, you know, staff members who have gone through the process tutor the, the staff people who are ascending through that process. Right. So there's somebody listening that is rolling their eyes right now. She mm -hmm. did this in her practice. Uh, the staff person got trained up, certified, and then yeah. left for more money. And oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I suspect that you have a way of talking about that to our reluctant yeah. uh, listener. Yeah, I sure do. Uh, you know, add me to that list. And and that's a, you know, that's a, that's a frustrating thing. But, you know, here, here's what we've noticed really over the last three months is, you know, we, we prior to that, we lost a lot of, you know, several staff members, more than I'd like to, to count. And, you know, some of it was for, you know, big money being thrown out by Kentucky Fried Chicken down the road, you know, the, those kind of things. But we have, uh, within the last three months, have five individuals who, you know, kind of thought the grass was greener, um, come back to us and say, you know what, I didn't realize what I had left in Nittany And so that's been, uh, you know, that's really been a, been a fun thing. Well, let's zero in on that more. I didn't expect that. You're yeah. telling me that you must do some sort of exit work with these people that leaves 
not just the door open, but a positive yeah. sense, right? Not everyone quits and it's positive, but yeah. tell me how you yeah. might do that when somebody's on the way out, because when they come back, they're doing so because there's yeah. a good relationship that's left. Absolutely. And so, so what we would say is, you know, as much as it hurts to hear when someone is going to leave, we always try to give them the benefit of the doubt. And despite the fact that we may have spent an inordinate amount of time training, we say, you know, hey, we, we understand that. And while we really wish you would stay, we wish you all the best. And that's kind of like our, our uh, exit strategy. Now, it doesn't work that way in every single, you know, d- departure. But that's certainly the goal, and we live up to that in in most cases. And so, uh, because of that, we I think it's it's opened the door for them to say, "Hey, you know, I now I realize what I'm missing." And because they approached it the right way, I feel comfortable. I didn't burn any, you know, no bridges were burned on either side, leaving that door open. And so, so all that training that we had we done we did we you know we're we're going to see a return on that. And so, so that, that feels good. I chuckled at the, the KFC comment because there are, you know, signing bonuses used to be left for uh, professional athletes yes. and you can now get a you know signing bonus at the U S post office. And so exactly. it's a draw. Um, I guess I, I'm curious about philosophy you've carried or any hmm. policy you've carried where, you know, somebody's leaving because it is a monetary issue and you know, yeah. that paying them would be to, to the level they might want is, yeah. you know, commensurate with a, a, an office manager and they're, uh, yeah, they're an optician. How do you deal with that? Yeah, it's so hard because there's a temptation to say, hey, let's give them, you know, whatever they want and, let, you know, let, let's just keep them because of all of how much it costs in, in terms of development and training and all those things. And, and I, I, you know, I feel that temptation. In fact, our office manager, you know, deals with that temptation, you know, e- even more than we do. And so we look at each case individually, and if we can, you know, we want to be able to support them, you know, at a, at a higher level. And, and sometimes what that means is saying, hey, you know, we, we, we can't give you what you want, but here's what we can do. Uh, and, and, and we hope that, you know, that, that that shows our, you know, our good faith attempt to retain you. Uh, and, and if it does, great. And if it doesn't, you know, we, we, we say, you know, we're, we're, we're really sad to, to, to see you go. Um, and, and, uh, but, you know, we'll, we'll leave the door open and, and, and hope that our paths cross again. I know you're a very analytic person. I mean, you're an expert speaker in the area of glaucoma and everything else, but you know, you become an optometrist with business intellect. And and I think Mm -hmm. most of our colleagues are, sometimes they just don't realize it. And I guess I'm wondering how much you leverage the financial budgeting and realities of the practice in setting things like projected next year raises. I mean, do you look at it and say, listen, we're going to have to grow the top line 8% in order to increase staff, you know, salaries X percent. And, you know, you do, do you become a very strong steward of your total cost of revenue relative to your staffing costs? Or is that a lot more, you know, is there a lot more leeway in it than being tight to it? Yeah, no, thank you for that question, because it brings to mind this. And, and, and we, you know, we, it took us years to develop this. We show kind of like a step, a pyramid. Right. And at, and at the, the top of the pyramid is patient experience. But, uh, you know, on on one of those, uh, you know, one of those corners down, you know, uh, uh, down further 
is um, is profitability, right? And we make no, you know, uh, that that's that we're, we don't hide that fact. And then the other is staff care. So so the three sides of the pyramid are uh, patient, uh, you know, patient outcomes and patient experience, profitability, and staff care. And we say those, you know, those are all things that we have to look at with the patient experience being paramount. And so, so we will look at that. Uh, and and you know, I, I want nothing more than to be able to reward our employees for the great work that they do. But if we're not giving a great patient experience and we're not profitable, then we can't give the staff care that we want to give. And so, so we make uh, no bones about it. Uh, every, everyone is 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 on the same page, and they understand. And 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 I think that's you know that's that's why um, uh, we have the Nittany Eye culture where people are willing to come back uh, and give us a give us another shot. Yeah, there's a message in this audience, and that is that you have to become crystal clear with your messaging to your people about what your intentions are and not sort of always appear to be reactive, right? Where yes. the tail's wagging the dog, where if there's yes. some profit, I'll give you some more. And if there's not, there's not, right? It's yeah. it's, a, it's part of the corner of your pyramid because you and Nittany I want it to be a priority that staff care happens. And then you when you express that, almost those things tend to then happen. Yeah, yeah, because you don't want to get caught in a situation, you know, with, with 65 staff, if we, you know, if we reward someone, uh, you know, and 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 try to retain them, we know that that word's going to get out. And so, so invariably, uh, some may be reluctant to do it for that reason. But if we have another staff person that hears that uh, and 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 comes to us with the same thing, and we say, okay, well, you know, look at let's look at your performance, and 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 maybe your performance uh, dictates that, but but oftentimes it doesn't. But if you want that, then here's how you're going to have to perform. So in, in a way, it, 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 it creates another opportunity to have those discussions. And so I know that you said you're in the boat of having lost a lot of people. A lot of the audience yep. has lost a lot of people. And I yeah. know you were doing some staff improvement activities. And a lot of us think yeah. that's going to take a long time. And you were, you were like, no, we're going to see positive improvement and it's going to happen quickly. If it's yeah. done right, I suppose yeah. that's right. Yep. Can you give us some some hints? If somebody's thinking, "Man, I, I've got I've got to make a change, but it's not going to impact me until twenty twenty five. What what, yeah. uh, what would you say to them? Yeah, do you mean as it relates to staff recruitment? Any of that or retention, right? I mean, yeah. when he, when you're looking at a staff improvement plan, how do you do it where it's not something that's going to take a year and a half to get? In the actual improvement. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, so uh, I, I would, I would, uh, you know, say a couple of things. One is, you know, I, I went back and looked at uh, the article that 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 I did, you know, kind of uh, for for Edge um, uh, a year ago. And one of our biggest challenges at the end of 2022 was staff recruitment. And so we had we had really um, kind of uh, revamped our whole staff recruitment program where we realized how inefficient uh, it really was. And so we made some amazing changes to speed up that process. And that worked really well. But ironically, the person who headed that up uh, Took a job elsewhere, <laughs> so 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 you know we had this great system and 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 it uh, and, and it kind of faltered and so it, it took us a few months to to respond. But one of the changes we implemented in 2023 that I'm very proud of and has gleaned results 
is that we uh, we we hired a part time recruiter uh, who, who you know whose expertise is is this stuff. You know we have we had a lot of people within the office doing these things and they did a you know, they did a great job uh, with it. But we actually hired someone with expertise in this area and that really has has moved the needle over the last 6 months and we think that's going to be one of our biggest programs in 2024 moving forward is kind of refine, refining that process so we're bringing in the right people on a, on an ongoing basis so do you think that's a practical reality or opportunity for any eye care business owner that they can work with a recruiter what does that look like is that somebody that comes yeah. in the house or is that a service you you outsource yeah, it just it just happened to be a a patient who had an expertise in this area, and we just you know it was kind of a casual discussion, like, hey, this is one of our biggest uh, you know uh, con- concerns uh, and, and challenges. Uh, and she said, well, you know, this is kind of what I do, and I'm kind of looking for a part time job. Uh, and so I think you know let, let's let's have some discussion about it. And so we we had several meetings with our leadership team, and we we kind of realized. You know what? With that level of expertise, we can we can we can really uh, you know move move forward on this. And so that has you know, and, and it hasn't you know, it, it took a lot of back and forth and refining the process to make it work. But I'm really proud of where you know of where we're currently in terms of from from the time uh, someone applies to the time that they're actually in the office. We've we've done a really solid job while decreasing the amount of our leadership time to to do those things. And I know you're based in a college town, but you have practices, like you said, you know, five locations. There there is often a, a, a lure of us recruiting to even if we're doing it ourselves to just find the best person and then train them up because yeah. you don't always get the opportunity to get you know people that have learned somewhere else. Generally, yeah. are you finding people that need to be trained for certain types of optometric service activities? Yeah, we really are. Um, and, you know, particularly in the field of opticians where, you know, we're kind of a rural practice. And even though, you know, we're a college town, uh, it, you know, it's, it's, uh, I think in maybe in some areas of the country, they could throw out a, uh, you know, an Indeed ad for an optician, and they're going to get a bunch of hits. That that's not us, right? So, so when it comes to opticians in particular, we we really do have to uh, retrain uh, and so or completely train train fresh. And so that you know that's that's a process. Uh, but but uh, you know, in some maybe some of the other areas like uh, reception and call center, we we do get some experienced individuals, but. Uh, in in this area, we really have to do a lot of uh, a lot of training. Last question: you, You've got somebody listening that's known you for a long time, and they haven't picked up the phone and called you yet to say they've got to do something major next year with staffing. What yeah. would be your quick advice? Like, hey, start here. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say consider consider a uh, e- e- either you know hiring a part time recruiter. Or you know, uh, hiring uh, uh, you know a a, a, um, a company that does recruitment because I was skeptical. You know, and, and, and at first it seemed like some of those costs was were a little more than what they should be. Uh, but so far, it has it's worth it. You know, it, it's it's been um, it's really been a value service, and so it allows our 
leadership team to you know to do what they're really you know none of them came in to be recruiters uh but but uh you know unfortunately today's market has forced them into those positions and they've done a, a you know a, a good job of it but Having a recruiter uh, has has really been a game changer for us, and so I think anyone can can uh, benefit from from a recruiter service. Uh, and and I so I think that's uh, that's what I would recommend. And I mean, what I take from today is focusing on the development of a good pipeline in, while also creating incredible messaging to the people that are there, new and established that. You care about them, but they yeah. are going to, if they take good care of the patient, have a very clear set of criteria and, and assessment tools that will help them know if they are or aren't doing well. That clarity, both on recruitment mm-hmm. and retention now, makes it a, a possibility that you could make fairly substantial changes in your practice next year and, and yeah. get something done, doesn't it? Yeah, and and the benefit of that is this, you know, and and this is where I really think optometry shines is, you know, post-COVID, most medical practices, medical facilities, you know, the the level of care has really decreased. And and I hear about it all the time. Uh, But patients tell me, you know, on, on, uh, you know, uh, maybe not a daily basis, but on a weekly basis for sure, where they say, hey, where where all these other medical facilities have, have really suffered there's something about Nittany Eye that endures and the culture here and people are happy. And so that that's really what it's all about. And, and so so that's we've, we've worked you know hard at that. And, it, and when I hear those things, it makes it all worthwhile. Put the patient first. Dr. Mike Simbor, thank you for being our guest on today's Think Again podcast. That was great. Pleasure, Scott, as always. And to the audience, that's it for today's Think Again podcast brought to you by GPN Visions a peer-to-peer learning community to help grow your eye care business.